Hey everybody, welcome to the Fae Forge Academy. Uh, I'm your DM, Steven. I'm really excited we've got some special stuff today, uh, including a special guest. Uh, but first, our regulars who are here, uh, say hi everybody, we got Ian. Good evening. Chris. Oh, hello. Adelaide. Hey, it's Adelaide. Emily. Hey, hey. And Michael. What it do, it's your boy Michael. Um, so I'm really excited to introduce our, our guest today. We are doing something special. We are running um, a different game today. So we're not we're not in a vastry. We're not at the Fae Forge Academy. Um, but we have Chris here um, from Omens Rising. So Chris, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and about Omens Rising and what we're going to be doing today? Hey everyone, my name is Chris Geary, and um, I am one of the designers and project manager of Omens Rising. Uh, Omens Rising is a science fantasy tabletop RPG that's based on cardamancy divination. It uses a deck of playing cards, um, that form of cardamancy, uh, similar to tarot, but not quite the same. And we have a world that's built on many of the tropes and feels of JRPGs and a variety of uh, anime like Howl's Moving, or yeah, Howl's Moving Castle and uh, things of that nature that uh, feel of whimsy, of tension, of group building, and and the like. You can find um, us on Twitter, at Omens Rising. Our team is actually 33 folks strong at the moment, with some contractors as well, uh, from a wide variety of uh, backgrounds and experiences. And you're going to get to see some of their cultures come to life today, as we uh, make characters with the Fayforge crew. Yeah, we're, we're super, super excited. Um, but before we jump into that, a couple things. Um, first off, uh, as you all know, we are affiliated with Greenleaf Geek. Um, so if you go to greenleafgeek.com for all your dice needs and use the code Fayforge on checkout, uh, you get a little discount and that actually helps support the podcast. Um, that code does not apply to handmade sets, uh, but I do highly recommend you check those out because Leah makes some beautiful dice. Um, and also just haps, happens to be a wonderful person, so you'd be supporting the podcast and another wonderful creator. Um, we are also really proud to be a part of the Roll20 Spotlight program, so go to roll20.net for all your tabletop needs. Um, another great way to support the podcast is through Patreon. Um, so if you go to patreon.com slash fayforgeacademy, uh, we have a whole private podcast feed for our patrons uh we have some subclasses uh one that i wrote one that emily wrote um that's on there which is actually sepia's uh subclass the swampy swampy goodness and a bunch of other stuff um and more stuff that is that is coming out in the near future there uh and finally if you would take the time to leave a five-star rating and review um one of the best ways to help our podcast grow and bring the wonderful, whimsical, magical world of the Fae Forge to, uh, to more people is through ratings and reviews because of how algorithms work. Uh, so if you would take the time to do that, we would be very grateful. Um, and with that, Chris, it's all you.
All right. So one of the, the first step in creating a character for Omens Rising is to read through the cultures and to find a culture where you feel like, or cultures that you feel like your character belongs. And, and I do pluralize that because being multicultural is not something that is weird mechanically. It is not something that will cause any sort of issues in the game. It is something that um, is just a byproduct of how we've designed it. Um, it wasn't something that we thought of intentionally at first, and instead we decided to make it intentional once we realized its possibility. So uh, I want to start by going around and finding out which cultures each of you decided to um, choose, for lack of a better term. And I'm just going to go around the table based on what I see on my screen. So I'm going to start in, on my top left, which is Adelaide. Yeah, I have had my eye on the Kazunohek. Ah, yes. Kazunohek. Mm. Okay, I, you're going to mm. say that one more time, but... Kiznoek. Kiznoek. Okay. Yeah. Easy, that's easy. Also also uh, lovingly called by our team the Forest Witches. Yep. Hell yes. Yep. I would be lying if I said that that... I wasn't at least considering. By all means, join, join me. Join me in my witchery. Yeah, let's start a couple. <laughs> Steven, uh, speaking of. So I was looking at the forest witches. Mm -hmm. um, sorry, panicked about how to say the name. <laughs> no worries. Uh, <laughs> and the weavers, uh -huh. um, who I thought were really, really interesting. Um, <laughs> what are you laughing about? <laughs> Those are the two tabs I have open. <laughs> oh. <laughs> One of us. <laughs> okay yeah the weavers are, mm -hmm. are very you know art driven um mm -hmm. in a lot of their things textiles and other forms of art and expression are very important to them well there's there's a lot of what i like about them is there's a lot of like how i write for Forge academy in sort of the writing of that oh nice is that where you landed on i think so Okay. I think, I think yeah, especially if Adelaide's going with with the the forest witches, I'll I'll go with the weavers. Get a little bit more okay. um, variety in here. Now, Ian, do not feel the pressure to choose a third different one. You can t you can choose from anything that you want. No, absolutely not. Oh yeah, no, for sure. I'm going. I'm going because no. All right. Uh, specifically, after you mentioned some of the JRPG inspirations for this mm -hmm. world which i didn't i didn't know about when i was reading through it but after you say that and you know i'm a huge miyazaki mm -hmm. fan one of my favorite characters is lord yupa who just <laughs> screams kiznoek like witcher from that's from lord yupa is like the sword wielding uh i don't want to say like he's like he's not a cell sword he's not a mercenary but he's mm -hmm. like a sword wielding traveling wise man from uh nausicaa in the valley of the wind so yeah i'm definitely going uh forest perfect Witchers slash perfect. force witcher emily uh, continuing this train, uh, those were also the two cultures I was looking at. Um, but uh, for <laughs> we can hang out, you know, we all seem to have so much in common. Yeah, it, you know, for diversity's sake, I was leaning slightly more towards the weavers, so we can have an even split of all right. this yes. two thirds of the party. <laughs> Fair They're enough. Just both so good. They're so good. Mm -hmm. All right, Michael, are we are we breaking away from what's building or are you leaning into the same two as well? Come on, it's me. I'm breaking. Come on. The Quetel Wakan, if I said uh -huh. that correct. Quetel Wakan, yeah. Yep. So culture, what's up? Um, obviously, I belong. So that's what I'm going with. Uh, very interested 
very like I like how they're oceanic and mm-hmm. uh, kind of have like they have a turbulent relationship with the sea at some point and then everything calmed down and it seems like they now more ebb and flow with it mm-hmm. and um kind of like it said that three people uh, three like leaders came together to make this um artifact of some sort to kind of calm the seas but it still seems like there's probably some intercultural uh like disagreements and things that still may occur so mm-hmm. um I just kind of liked how all those elements played with each other. So um, that is what I went with. Excellent. That's the one that they all, it's it's like the big fishing, like it's the ship island, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's all built on the yeah, wreckage super of cool. other, uh, of, of ships and things of that nature. They have quite the sprawling island. Um, that concept was actually kind of inspired by the Pacific garbage patch that's out there. Ah. Um, mm. And like taking that and like, what what if that was something that could be, instead of just a trash pile actually be used thinking of like some of the islands around New York that are basically built on wreckage or trash yeah. and um, yeah. things of that nature. So yeah, it's uh, it also gives them layers of like ship decks below the island to um, work with or, and or explore. So yeah, mm. if I don't, think it relates but like thinking about magic stuff because that's me i also play magic mm-hmm. it has like major demir vibes which is like a swampy <coughs> kind of vibe thing mm-hmm. so i'm just like yeah mm-hmm. that's that sounds kind of cool sounds sounds mysterious in a, still in a way so <laughs> happy to do yeah that. no, it's awesome and uh chris last but definitely not least hmm uh, I also have a complex i don't want to match anybody it's like a thing so <laughs> i'm gonna branch out I was looking at the Kisnuek that looks dope as heck, but um, I'm going to go Reverie. <laughs> Come on. Mm. Um, I nice. love the, I mean, I'm a role player. Like that is what I do. And the idea that they like get to live as many lives and they are a culture focused on dreaming is extremely exciting. Um, mm. I like that each individual kind of like has a, a living book of dreams that they collect and you can kind of use this ability to inspire change. I think that really spoke to me. So I'm going to go with them. Awesome. All right. So that's step one. Step two is you will now divine through a cardamancy spread, uh, your character's prophecy and also basically their way of interacting with the world or what, you put on your character sheet. Also in here, uh, if you, for people who prefer to follow along rather than just listen, um, I will be using the first two documents, uh, our character generation spread and our character generation tables. Uh, I highly recommend that you at least have the tables open so you can copy and paste that text onto your character sheet rather than having to type it out. It'll save you some, some, uh, time there. I love this, uh, Character sheet, too. Nice. Thank you. It's uh, our second draft. It will evolve some more from there, but always looking for improvements. All right. The place where we're going to begin is I'm just going to kind of locate you to the character sheet. It's a landscape um, layout. Everything in Omens Rising is landscape. We figured if you're going to be exploration-driven, what better way to do it than landscape art? And landscape art looks much better in landscape format than portrait. So 
Um, think like coffee table book style. Um, mm. So on the left-hand column of page one, you're going to find a quick kind of overview of the two main and static components of each suit. Uh, spades are um, connected to the sky and or element of air. Um, hearts is connect, uh, oh, and also the mental self. Hearts is connected to the element of water and the emotional self. Clubs, fire, and the aetheral self. Uh, mm. The aether is the unseen power behind all things in Omens Rising. For some cultures, that means spiritual. For other cultures, it means magical. Uh, for even other cultures, it could just mean um, whatever's inexplicable. So instinct, passion, creativity, the things that sometimes you can't name, but you just feel it, you know it's there, that's aetheral. Um, and then diamonds is connected to the element of land, um, or actually the multiple elements of land, and uh, the physical self. So uh, beneath that will be your aptitudes. We don't use skills in Omens Rising. We use what are called aptitudes, which are, think of them as broad skills in a sense. They are ways of interacting with the world around you. Um, because this is a D&D podcast, I'm going to use D&D uh, references for you. Subtle, at the bottom of your alphabetized list, um, would be similar to something like uh, stealth um, in some ways. So if you're physically trying to move past someone without being seen, you would use subtle, but you would play in-game. You would play diamonds, because diamonds is associated with the physical self, right? Mm-hmm. However, if you are trying to send a coded message, you would use spades and subtle. Mm. If you're trying to make sure that your crush that you were talking to didn't know that you were smitten with them, you would use hearts and subtle. That's really cool. And if, yep. And if you're trying to mask your aetheral self, you would use uh, clubs and subtle. So it's. We encourage people to look at what they, and when you get to the game, um, the gameplay, you look at the cards in your hand and you make the decision that is best suited for you in that moment. And it should be narrative driven. Our number one guiding ro- uh, purpose or guiding um, rule in Omens Rising is does it move the narrative forward? If it doesn't, we don't do it. Mm. Uh, it's just that simple. So failure moves the narrative forward. Success moves the narrative forward. How you engage with it moves the narrative forward, so on and so forth. Um, There is no, should I I say, like, you don't penalize the story by not succeeding. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? So a failure doesn't mean that nothing happens. Correct. It just changes how you perceive what happened is really what it comes down to. Yeah. That's nice. Into it. So in one scene in a previous play test, someone had used, um, I believe it was Aethril and uh, Spades, the aptitude of Aethril and Spades, to try and see the connections between um, people and the things around them. And they missed their mark by, I think it was one or two points. And the way I described it was, is there were so many connections in this room that the threads were just weaving in and among each other. And it was really hard to discern 
which ones went where because of the amount of nostalgia and connection that this old woman that they were meeting had with the items that remained in her home uh. kind of thing. And so that is what failure looked like in that setting. So it wasn't that nothing happened. It was the intended result is not what she achieved, but she still got something to, to build off of Yeah, in the way that she told her story and how she was interacting with the environment, the player. So that's kind of how we do things. And um, to level up, you level up based on um, critical successes and critical failures. And you will raise the ranks of your aptitudes once you've gotten one or the other in each of the four elements of self. Mm. So you either critically succeeded or critically failed. You pushed your boundaries or learned a lesson in your physical, mental... But did you, though? Did you really learn something? <laughs> well, that's the theory. <laughs> if you didn't, you can choose not to take that check mark and wait till the next time to see if you actually learned your lesson. Right. <laughs> um, that's all role-play based. Like, there's, mm -hmm. you know, this is how the mechanics work, but you got to lean into them which way tells the best story. Yeah. I love that, I love that failure can lead to leveling up. Yeah. I feel like that's a really unique mechanic in in ttrpgs yeah and uh, and i i know that pbta does a good job of that as well like that's how you gain uh certain ways to level up um it's not quite the same it's a different approach mm -hmm. here mm -hmm. uh but you know it's it's similar and so i know there are others out there that do something similar but we really wanted to lean into that idea that failure is not the end um, and a critical mm -hmm. failure isn't as simply as like you drop your sword and you have to wait another round to, to, sl <laughs> to slay the baddie kind of thing. Yeah. Like it's, it's something that's narratively significant and, um, we call them memorable moments, not even critical failures. Um, because those are sometimes the things that stick with us the longest, like, holy crap, did you see what happened? Um, yeah. that kind of idea. So... Um, beneath that'll be communities and bonds that'll work. You'll work in your first one of those bonds as part of our character creation, but that's where you would track that over the course of the game, the different communities that you're a part of the people in which you create, uh, bonds with, including a rival, if you choose to develop one, um, and then the middle section is mostly, well, is solely about your character. And um, the significant item is what I want to point out. We don't do a lot of inventory tracking. So we only track that which is significant uh, in some way, shape, or form. Uh, significant items take two forms. One is something that's important to your character. It gives them confidence and oftentimes a boost to certain elements of gameplay. Uh, the other is something that is significant to the action, uh, the adventure or action or, or scenario before you. So if you're crossing a desert over the course of eight days, somebody in the group should take the significant item of like your water supply. Um, <laughs> and so, but not everybody has to track their water kind of idea. Somebody else, if you're transporting an item that is an important part of that trip across the desert, they would take that item as what's the significant item because they're they're going to be the one charged with protecting it or whatever the case may be um and then you know if there aren't things that are just that kind of like um logically like oh duh we should do that um those are ways for the gm and the players to kind of figure out what are the kinds of challenges that should be there so if somebody's taking uh, expendable trade goods to use for bartering with bandits well, as the GM, I'm like, oh, that's a significant item that they want. 
there should probably be the opportunity for bandits to be along in this trip somewhere. And so mm -hmm. you kind of build out what that might be um, through that process as well. But what you're carrying is always something that's going to, or has the uh, potential to affect the world around it. Mm -hmm. The connection section that's smack in the middle is what we have instead of um, health points. When you take some sort of harm, it harms one of your connections to the six different areas of the spread that we're about to do. So, mm. um, and that impairment are basically three tiers. There's repair or maintenance is the first tier. Repair is the second tier. And thir uh, the third tier, the most drastic tier, is basically the concept of replacement. Replacing part of it or it as a whole, which is kind of like... This means there's a mini side quest for this character. Mm. So, can, can you speak a little bit more to that? Like, maybe give an example of what, like, impairment, sure. impairment um, negative one significance versus impairment number five significance. Absolutely. So, let's say uh, your well-being or health, because we're debating on those two terms. So, you're going to see them in okay. the same slot. Let's say you get physically injured. That's what you choose. That's the connection to your well-being. Is what you choose uh, to take that uh, harm to. And you, uh, at, at a minus one, it might be um, something that would take you, I don't know, the equivalent of a short rest to maybe a day or two to recover mostly from and remove that minus. Um, a minus three would be something that would need some sort of um, active healing or uh, time to, you know, rehabilitate. So that might take a few days to a week or two. Uh, to fully recover from. And then a minus five might be uh, something along the lines of actually needing some sort of uh, prosthetic intervention. Uh, it could be uh, a stronger element of healing, like questing to go find a specific herb to stop a certain poison or whatever the case may be. Um, that's really just up to the narrative that's being told, but it turns into some sort of quest in order to be able to um, eliminate the minus five. On page two, you're gonna find a section the of those connections and within it there's a spot mm. for you to write out what is the path to restoration to restore I see. that minus mm. i see so, so it could be something as significant as something as trivial as rest for a day or something as significant as like visit this far off you know well of healing that can restore your sight or something absolutely whatever the case may be yep and that's uh, again it needs to move the narrative forward so um, is that day of rest something that's going to have a narrative impact? In most cases, yes, but not in all. So just, you know, it's something that you'd want to talk through with your GM. It doesn't have to be a huge narrative change. It just should have some, you know, stamp on the story. Um, but yeah, because I fought with like health levels and hit points and like what mechanic is actually going to move the narrative forward? That's a good question to ask. Mm -hmm. And the standard ones didn't. Yeah, totally. So this is what we've come up with. And then on the right-hand side is going to be your prophecy. So let's all start by drawing our first card, our origin <laughs> card, that Ooh. gives our prophecy that our character was born under. How exciting. Got the five of diamonds. Excellent. Go ahead and in the card section, once you've drawn it, write mm -hmm. in whatever uh, next to origin, whatever card it was that you pulled. 
And now with each of these, the suit and the value are going to represent the duality of the world itself. The prime, which is the tangible world, and the aethral, which is the intangible, the unseen world, behind, the things pulling the strings behind the scenes. Um, so your uh, with your prophecy, it's pretty simple for your suit. It represents your character's connection to uh, the prime world, to one of the four elements. So uh, anyone that pulled diamonds, like in your character sheet is already marked with the affinity suit uh, defaulted as diamonds because we had to pick one. Um, but if it's different, you're going to change that and choose the radio button that matches the suit of your prophecy card. And what that means is that your character is naturally attuned to that suit and the, uh, the coordinating elements and parts of self. Um, and so you will gain a plus two anytime that you use that suit in game. Mm. Because that's your natural inclination. Now, these are things that you can choose to fight against uh, going forward. I might be naturally inclined to this, but I want to do that. That's perfectly fine. Um, but this is, think of it, um, in, you know, Zodiac terms as being born under a fire sign or, um, a water sign, whatever the case may be. It could be, um, you know, the natural talents that you're born with, however you want to perceive that, whether they be mental, ta uh, talents, emotional talents, uh, physical, or, um, I guess spiritual or uns you know, magical talents. But that is your prime connection. Now, your aethral connection is going to be to that character generation spread. And so in the origin card uh, table, which is the first one, you'll find your number, your value. And that is the prophecy that you're going to put in for that row. Oh, so I got a 10 of diamonds. Oh, we're diamond pals. Yeah. Land buds. Land pals. So the tables. Oh, the suit is not on the table. It's just the number. Nope, because it's just the value. Yep. Okay, okay, okay. Because the value represents your aethral connection or your prophecy. Hey, Steven, just out of curiosity, in real life, what's your sign? Uh, I don't know. Mm -hmm. That's the real answer. <laughs> Remember, I grew up in the evangelical world, so so zodiac signs like you start getting into that stuff. The next thing you're doing is you're murdering cats and sacrificing them in your basement. Oh, Stephen, so. I already know you're into devil magic. You can't hide behind your Christian upbringing forever. <laughs> and then once you copy and paste that, um, now it won't preserve the bolding, but from the document that you see, part of it is bolded and so part of it is not. The bolded section are things that you can leverage in game to potentially give you some sort of advantage. Um, they are intended to be narratively driven. So for example, with Ian's is the five, um, in bold it says, when you come into contact with an aether font, sacred ground or ley line, your presence amplifies all effects and manifestations. So that's, right. that's something that either the GM can build into just the descriptions of things because a Ian's character is there. Now there's this, you know, amplified aethral effect, or it's something that Ian can call upon when Ian's character wants to do something in those places. Does that make sense? 
Mm -hmm. Absolutely. But it's to inform kind of the narrative aspect of the game. This is a very narrative-heavy game. So we encourage divergent thinking and um, improvisation. So I love that. I, I want to know. I want to know what did every what did everybody get? I get a six of clubs. I pulled a seven of hearts. Oh wow, Chris! Really? Samezies. Oh, two oh. seven of hearts. Oh. Oh. Heart friends, love it. That's what we get for trying to be different. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yep. Yep. You're not different at all. You're both born under a lucky star. Now, the lucky the star themselves could be different, but it's still lucky for your character and for the culture in which they're from. Nope, same star. Adelaide, I, I didn't hear what you I got a was. six of clubs. Six of clubs. And Emily? Uh, I got a ten of clubs. Ten of clubs. Ah, we've got water, fire, uh, land, all represented. No sky, no air. Steven, didn't you also draw a ten? Yeah, Stephen, Stephen also had a 10, so there are also two 10s, two 7s. Yeah. Oh, who else was a 10? I do. Oh. We're twinning. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Nice. Let's recharge, let's recharge the Aether. There you go. <laughs> there you go. All right. So on the second page, on the right-hand side, you're going to see that there's a section for interpretation. This is where you can personalize that. So what does that mean to you, how you interpret the, the card, uh, its prophecy, how it manifests for your character and the way that you're conceiving of them? Basically a place mm. to stick notes of things that are important to how you want to develop this character. Now, you don't have to do it at this step if you're not sure. If you want to wait until more cards are played and you get a better feel for the character, feel free to do so. But that's the intent of this section. There are okay. a couple things that'll come up in some of the prompts for the uh, next five cards that we'll document there, just so we have a place to keep track of where each decision was made on your part, as well as um, which slot, which position in the spread those decisions were made. Okay? All right. Um, so before we get too much into the second card, I want to talk about the aptitudes. This is where you will start choosing aptitudes. Uh, the choice of aptitude that you make for each one of the next five positions is an aptitude that is going to be it's going to be the one that your character would have used most commonly in the prompt that was given to you, the scenario that's given to you. Which one of these aptitudes is going to be most common uh, for their reaction? Now, uh, mm. Again, that doesn't mean that it is the only way they'll react, but it is the most common one, which means it's also the most practiced. And I forgot to share one uh, image with you, image file. Uh, so I'm dropping it into the Google Drive now. Thank you, technology. Uh, its short name is the DOA, or Domains of Aptitude Chart. So if you'll open that for me very quickly, you will notice that the domains of aptitude, there's a concise description there for you. So you get a feel for uh, what they, they are in game. And then the middle column that's designated just as AA, which stands for affinity alignment, is for a mechanic that we use in character creation. Um, it's not restrictive to how you will use it outside of character creation, okay? So, um, just know that you'll want to consult this briefly as you make your decisions for your aptitudes. So let's pull that second card, our health card. 
or well-being card. And this card represents your character's well-being as a whole. Um, so it's their, uh, their life essence, their physical, mental, emotional, and atheral health. Uh, like all things, health requires balance and intentional care in order for the character's life essence to thrive. And thriving requires a character to balance their prime and aethral health aspects. So we're going to start with our prime aspect. And you're going to choose an aptitude that best represents the character's preference for recharging when their health is either taxed or otherwise impaired. And how you choose is going to be based off of the suit that you've pulled plus diamonds because plus diamonds. This position in the spread is one that is uh, associated with diamonds. Did anybody pull a diamond? I see, oh, I see what you're saying. I understand. So mm -hmm. we can pull, so for example, I pulled clubs, so I can choose from Dynamo, Peacekeeper, Aetheral, and diamonds, which is Fortitude, Poise, Subtle. Correct. Got exactly. it, got it, got it. Just kind of, what we found is choice paralysis came up when we left the whole thing wide open. So oh, sure. we are um, leaning into what makes it an easier experience and a more fulfilling experience for the players. And that's by cutting the list in half by using those I like uh, it. two elements. Plus, it also adds in our affinity alignment. So did anybody pull a diamond for this position? Nope. Nope. Clubs. And so... Yeah, reading through the six that are that are there, then uh, the three from diamonds and the one from or the three from whatever suit of the card you pulled. So, uh, go ahead and document that card on the health row, and then identify a, di uh, uh, an, a an aptitude that best fits how you think this character um, might rejuvenate or, um, you know, power back up. So let's say, for example, mm -hmm. I picked, um, let's say for, I drew a nine of clubs. So let's say I just want clubs and diamonds. So I picked dynamo. Okay. Dynamo. So you turn actions results both in people and in the surrounding world. On my character sheet, I would mark a plus one on the dynamo toggle there, the radio button. Nope, nope, not yet. Not no. yet. Um, actually, what you would do is you'd move the check mark from rank two to rank three. Gotcha. Okay. Because gotta, this gotta. is the one that you've used more often. So now uh -huh. Dynamo, because of its usage, is a higher rank. Okay. And do I mark the club there, or is that something nope. entire? That's nope. for leveling up, so you don't That's need to worry about that. Don't yep. worry about that. So basically, everyone start, all absolutely start off at rank two. Correct. And through this process, we're going to be increasing our rank. You're going to select yeah. five separate ones that will all be at rank three. Gotcha. So health, reciprocity, bonds, inclusion guides. Okay. With Dynamo, what might that look like for your character? Ian? Well, the, the nine of clubs comes, uh, I'm just going to read it out here what the prophecy is for health or for well-being. Uh, well Abundance courses through you as you are blessed with ample reserves of vitae and focused. You naturally stave off the need to recharge or rejuvenate until you've completed what is before you. How, you ask? Do I do that? Well, I do that by turning actions and results, both in people and in the surrounding world. So it's a very action-oriented character when it comes to their own uh once they've got some momentum under their feet, they keep going. Gotcha. So for them to feel recharged, they need to feel accomplished is what I'm hearing. And and as long as they're you know making incremental progress towards mm -hmm. their perceived goals, then they're going to be able to continue to stave off the need to recharge, rejuvenate. They can just power through. Love it. Love it. So now some of those details that you just explained are things that would be useful to put in the interpretation. Ooh. So... 
I mean, marking that it's Dynamo, just so that way you remember that you raised Dynamo for this particular card, and then gotcha. describing how they recharge and how they power through is a great way to document um, the personality of this character for you. And that's the intent of that section. What about someone else? What aptitude are you choosing? Yes, I am choosing Inquisitive because on my thing I drew uh, the Jack of Spades. And okay. then let me look at the thingy. So I chose the Elucidative. Um, you cut through extraneous to illuminate the core mm. element of the matter at hand. So it just seems to walk hand in hand about someone being inquisitive, like really thinking things through. And then after, you know, mulling it over, they're like, okay, this is the root of all this. So mm -hmm. someone who's, um, I guess not as big picture. They're just very, they try and find like the small detail that's kind of, uh, making everything happen. So gotcha. And they re they, they like root causes. Yeah, and so like they like to recharge by just like probably solving solutions in their mind that probably don't need solutions. Gotcha. <laughs> but what might look like to other people is quiet contemplation, but really their brain is super busy. Yes, I'm just playing my own ADHD and how I navigate <laughs> life anyway. So this love is it. Totally fun. I love it. Role playing. <laughs> yeah. So I drew a, I drew a five of clubs, uh, and so I I chose eighth roll. Mm -hmm. um, because as I, was, as I was kind of thinking through it, so the, the prophecy is, in the alchemy of life, some elements are catalysts. You are such a catalyst for the divine. When you come into contact with an aethral font, sacred ground, or ley line, your presence Oop. amplifies all effects and manifestations. That, that's the prophecy for your origin card. Oh, there's different. For your well-being card, it's your reputation is one of vitality. No matter your age or size, uh, you've always been hardier than others, and it hasn't escaped your notice. You're invigorated. When active as uh, you're, yeah, you're invigorated uh, when active is pushing your boundaries and fueling your I, soul. It's important to look through how many pages there are in a document. Yeah, when you, no worries. <laughs> when you're doing things. <laughs> yes, so there's I'm a gonna... separate chart for each and every position because each yes. and every prophecy is customized to the part of self um, or part of your well-being. Um, just some background mm. knowledge. This spread is one that I actually use when I practice divination um it's based off of what i call my well-being spread and these five positions that we're going over health through uh purpose or health through guides is um the five elements of well-being as defined by sociologists so um, oh. so you keep using the word spread and i i think i understand what that means but just make sure that i'm on the same page like as we're drawing these cards they are uh they're, they're basically coming out as a tableau in front of us. We're not taking a card, looking at it, recording it down, and shuffling it back in. They're, Correct. They're basically, Correct. So you're not going to draw the so same card So think of it like you're, like you're at, you know, Madame Esmeralda's tar tarot reading, and she's you, you pull the first card, you drop it in the center. Um, that is going to be your uh, origin card. And then technically on this spread, uh, you would go down and slightly to the right for your uh, health or well-being card. And then the next one will be down from the origin card and slightly to the left. And we're going to go uh, clockwise around the origin card. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. If that makes sense. If you want to visualize it. But yeah, each one is a separate card and you don't need to shuffle them back in. So, okay. So mm -hmm. I drew the Queen of Spades. Yes. Um... And so that is, you bear a deep connection to a long tradition of healers, whether it be your ancestors, 
mentor, or past lives, your intuition for the well-being of others is uncanny, even if you choose to neglect your own. Mm-hmm. So what does that mean for... I'm, I'm a little confused about how to choose the aptitude in relation to that card. You don't have to. In fact, when I'm doing it one-on-one, I actually encourage people to not look at that yet. And to oh. just look, because you're looking at yourself in two forms. The prime self, the prime self is the one that you have control over. The other is the one that is kind of like, think of it nature versus nurture. So the value is connected to the nature. Um, the, the, uh, suit is what you are actively doing. It is your autonomy and ability to affect the world around you, the choices that you make. Okay. Um, so they do not have to be in perfect harmony. They can be whatever feels right. However, the other way around it does not mean it's wrong. Okay. So. It's just up to how you would like to do that. Oh, okay. So it's more about that prompt. How might your character rejuvenate when they are feeling taxed? And you'd look at the ones that are in spades. So those mental uh, related um, concepts Mm -hmm. of um, elucidative, explorer, inquisitive. And then, of course, diamonds, because that is the the suit of this position. So fortitude, poised, and subtle. And which one seems to fit how you envision this hearts uh, uh, and and luck-driven character? They're born under a lucky star, and they're connected to the element of water, emotions, nurture, wisdom, things of that nature. Okay, so diamonds... Sorry. The, so diamonds no is essentially wild. You can, like, pick from diamonds, or you can pick from the suit that you got. Yeah. In that Diamonds sense? is is the position of the uh, of, okay. of the spread, okay. and so it's it's static. It is always there for the second position. It's also going to be always there for the third position. Okay, um, and then uh, we go to hearts, and then uh, spades, and then clubs as we go around the spread. Okay. And the, those are kind of your anchors, and then the the randomness is your card that you pull. Okay, that then gives you a broader uh, element to experience okay yeah i think for the character sheet it might be helpful to have the uh affinity listed for each of those as well yeah so i actually we have a we have a character creation mat like mat that we use in roll 20 when i'm doing this one-on-one and if you want, I can send you the link so you can look at it for reference if you want another window yeah. open. <laughs> I Yeah, so let me get you that because that's a visual that I wasn't sure how to use when I'm doing this many people at once. Yeah. So let me grab that. Uh-huh. <laughs> there we go. I want to say while we're doing this is such a this is such a fun way to to think through building a character for for me as I'm sitting here. It's it's a very unique as opposed to just like, oh, what's my race in class Mm -hmm. or or whatever, like like this, like what is my connection to these different parts of myself and to the world is is just a really cool way to think about a character and like kind of watching them so far with these first two things that we've done. it, It feels like I'm watching a character form in front of me almost excellent because that's the goal so i'm glad that that's how it's feeling for you um we're hoping uh, and uh by card three that you get like that silhouette 
of, mm. of who that mm-hmm. character looks like. Um, and if they feel more real and by card six, you feel like you have a person, not just stats. Mm-hmm. So, uh, feel free to jump into that roll 20 and you can kind of see our visual for the spread itself. And this will probably be helpful. So thank you, Chris, for pushing for something and, and for Emily for having a, 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 an easier reference to take a look at. Oh, that, that is really helpful. Yeah, this is nice. That's really cool. And uh, all of those sigils were designed by um, Neat. Wow. our artist, uh, Obation out of, um, uh, is a Nigerian artist who is calling upon his um, Yoruba, or Yoruban uh, roots for his designs. So right now we would be in that health position, Chris, and it's, uh, it's naturally aligned with diamonds and then the card that you have which is spades, and the prompt that you have is, how might they rejuvenate? And what does that look like? And while Chris is thinking about that, Adelaide, what did you have? I got the ace of spades. More spades, excellent. Mm -hmm. And um, how does your character recharge? I selected subtle. Um, Mm. I'm thinking more kind of like, introverted and since my Mm -hmm. ace is um while i can endure a great many things at once i struggle to endure any of them long term maybe i'm kind of embarrassed by that fact and like Mm. don't want to show it off so i just kind of recluse into myself gotcha i like it i like it and so i i select the the rank three on that correct correct you would move okay uh subtle to rank three Okay. Um, same would go for Michael with elucidative to rank three, I think is what you said, or inquisitive, one of those mm-hmm. two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did that. And um, Ian with Dynamo and Steven, I forget, um, what did you well, I ch- land on? Well, once, once, I, once I reread mm-hmm. the prophecy and stuff, I actually changed it. Mm-hmm. So what I got was the, your reputation is one of vitality, no matter your age or size, you've always been hardier than others hasn't escaped your notice you are invigorated when active and pushing your boundaries and fueling your soul and so with that and then being this um my origin was about uh renewing of cycles and recharging the aether uh, i chose poised Mm. um as kind of this like enduring steady like kind of rock sort of a, a character do they do they have a tendency to feel invigorated and recharged when they're able to be there for someone yeah, yeah. So I, I'm picturing. Well, actually, I'm not. I'm not picturing being there for someone, but being there for the the world. Oh, okay. Um, so very much. Um, I'm with the the weavers being kind of in touch with with art and mm-hmm. and and stuff. Kind of and and I drew in my origin was land. Mm-hmm. Um, like being there. Mm, I like it. Like as as I try to recharge the world. Like and I and I found that in my origin that also recharges me. I like it. Excellent. Chris or Emily, did that? Did did any of that spark anything for either of you? Uh, so uh, Stephen and I are the same person, apparently, because I also <laughs> chose poised. Uh, but now I'm reconsidering. I mean, maybe we need to have some divergence here. Uh, you can interpret it differently. He, he, Stephen's character is poised when connecting to the world and being that rock, literally for the world around their character. Mm-hmm. You can interpret your poised in in a much different form. 
Yeah. So uh, the way that I was kind of thinking about my poised was that they're kind of like a mom character to some mm. extent where they uh, feel like they can relax when everyone around them is like at peace and uh, they've kind of solved all the problems of the day and everyone else is calm and they've worked through whatever their daily struggles were. And then that brings the character a sense of peace. Which is similar, like but slightly different from Steven's. Well, it's more socially driven. Yeah. Um, and that was something Steven specifically said. No, not really. Not for my character. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. No, I like that because it's it's it feels like it's similar, but it's also unique to each of the characters. And now I do have a question. Um, mm-hmm. So I we we raise it to base three for this one, but what about for our origin card? Do we select anything nope. on that? That you get the plus two, your affinity suit. You okay. get that standard plus two to any time that you play that suit. So it wouldn't matter okay. what aptitude you play, mm-hmm. you get a plus two if it's the right suit. So if okay. it's clubs for your character, if you're connecting to that aetheral, uh, the the element of the aether or the aetheral self, or mm-hmm. to the element of fire, um, you would add plus two uh, when playing. Uh, a club at any point in time okay so we don't add anything to the aptitudes of that it's just the affinity suit okay and so the next five all end up being a a, a rank three so because you've uh, played castle falkenstein with me this would be like moving the choices of things up to good Mm -hmm. it's that that same kind of thing except you're not locked into one suit Mm -hmm. like castle falkenstein is so 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 spades are never wild for health reciprocity bonds Inclusion? It or will be it's, inclusion. It's wild is the, for inclusion. It, it, yeah, it's the one that's the... Okay. The, uh, you will always have that for inclusion. Okay. Yep. I see. So, um, you're, you're, you're thinking really hard, Chris, aren't you? How can I help? Um, I feel a little bad, but I don't know if I fully understand what I'm doing here. No like problem. I, I'm okay. trying to figure out like who this character is. I don't yep. I don't have a good grasp of that after two cards. So I'm not I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. So let's what... let's take a step back and think about how we develop as people. Um early on in life we figure out what our needs are in order to re- rejuvenate. Sometimes before we have the ability to express it in language. Ages 2, 3, that, you know, 1 uh 1 2 3 that that era area and and we we might run off and play by ourselves. We might um go and need to be held we might you know whatever the case may be and that's why we do this early because it's something that sometimes is is long before we can rationalize it it's mm-hmm. it's instinctive to this person it's formative in many ways mm-hmm. to this person and so um you can lean into and i and i would you know encourage it to lean into that queen piece if you want and that connection to um understanding what the needs are and you had spades right so yes um if you don't mind i'm just going to th- toss out some uh concepts to to ponder um inquisitive being able to see the connections between all things could be a way um to express that uncanny kind of intuition about the well-being of others 
and how that might look for a character, not necessarily your character, is they are a people watcher. They sit and kind of take in the people around them and it reminds them about their own connections to the world. And that's kind of how they rejuvenate. Um, that could be one possibility. Um, it could also be something, um, like fortitude, which kind of leans into it. It's, it's that endurance there. Um, they, they rejuvenate by being cognizant of where their limits are. So while you could choose to neglect your own per the queen, you aren't all, you aren't necessarily blind to your own limits. You aren't necessarily unable to identify them. Mm -hmm. You just sometimes choose to push and neglect and let others be the priority. If you wanted to kind of blend those two and use it as inspiration for which one to choose. And so like, those are just a couple things off the top of my head that I could so see. Are you supposed to choose cards. two? You just choose, you just choose one. Oh, oh. Yeah. I was just giving you a couple ideas. Okay, okay, gotcha, gotcha. As as you're trying to formulate who this character is, this lucky character that's well um, versed in their emotional self. But as you'll notice in Roll Twenty, uh, there's a couple other inspiration words that I have there for you uh, under Hearts, which is growth and wisdom. Uh, these are things that are often common traits seen in those who are aligned with the suit of Hearts, um, and so if those help you define how someone like this character that's developing before you might um, rejuvenate. And remember, it's not the only way they recharge. Mm -hmm. It's just the most common way. Like if they get down to their base instinct and they just instinctively run to recharge, what does that look like? Okay. Um... Who, who do you want them to be? Uh, so that's kind of where I'm struggling because I think my mm -hmm. my instinct is that this might be somebody who is a bit more um a bit more willing to extend themselves to others, maybe mm -hmm. um uses positive emotions and affirmations to kind of connect with others, but I don't really mm -hmm. feel like I honestly don't know that any of the other ones really feel like I, I don't know if any of the aptitudes in this section really feel like they fit that. And so then I thought, well, mm -hmm. perhaps they're not perhaps they are more still like they are more meditative and more mm -hmm. not necessarily impassable, but like water off a duck's back. Mm -hmm. Like that's how they center themselves is just by being still and just trying to kind of tune in um, to filter all of the noise out. But again, I don't feel I like that. any of those. I I'm not sure how to draw the connection between that concept and the Poised. aptitude. Poised uh, absolutely fits that. Fortitude absolutely fits that. Being able to endure is that same kind of like water off a duck's back. Mm -hmm. Um you can last much longer than others. Poise, kind of that that constant, because it 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 just comes uh, you know rolls off a duck's back kind of concept. Mm -hmm. They they seem like they are still, but the feet are moving. You know, mm -hmm. like they like that whole uh, to extend that metaphor a little bit. Um, it could also very much be um, in that the mental aspect of things. It could be. Um, 
the it depends on how you wanted to focus it. It could be very much inquisitive, meditative, again, letting the world and all the connections just kind of pull together and looking, f just, just being in that moment and mm -hmm. seeing all of them come together. Because uh, you had talked about kind of just just letting letting the moment unfold. Inquisitive could again fit in that. If, you, if it's more mental, than a physical kind of yeah. um, perspective. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, now that you're kind of talking about that, I'm 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 actually leaning a bit more towards the elucid elucidative. Yeah. Um, mm. This idea of like letting the white noise settle before you focus on what the actual issue or emotion it. or struggle is. So mm -hmm. I th I think actually I'll go with that one. I love it. I love it. And again, this definitely illustrates the difference between how Michael's character leans into elucidative when recharging and how your character leans into it. Mm -hmm. For Michael's character, it's about trying to puzzle out what those answers are. And for your character, it's much more about that kind of Zen moment of, of, of melting into the, the present and letting that action focus your attention. Mm -hmm. I also like the fact that you both had the same origin card and ended up with the same oh, you know, that's true. first aptitude. <laughs> <laughs> Yet are distinctly different in both ways. Yeah. Um, so that goes mm -hmm. under the interpretation of health. Is that where that goes? Okay. Yeah. So when you would describe that, I would put in elucidative just mm -hmm. to remember that this aptitude was chosen at this position okay and then those kinds of details in your interpretation so as you continue to develop this character you can build on the cards okay. and the decisions that you made with each one of them and then i mark that on the aptitudes as well you change it from a rank two you take that check mark and you move it to a rank three got it cool uh, so we've now leveled up uh the first the the i should say the second card of the the spread, the first aptitude that people choose is always the one that takes the most time to kind of puzzle through. So you are not alone in this, Chris. Um, and, uh, you know, it depends on how much of a character you came to the table with. I've had people that have come with a concept, a full fleshed out concept. I want to recreate my favorite character from another game in this system and see how they turn out. And I've also had people that have come with literally a blank canvas and say, I have no preconceptions whatsoever. Yeah. And so it's a process. And I love it. I love the different levels of engagement um, that each person has had, the different approaches that you've had to this. So thank you to everyone. Let's pull that third card. And we're going to talk about the concept of reciprocity, giving and taking. And it's not just the concept of like wealth in that sense, where it's about, um, you know, giving and taking or bartering in that, in that way, but also the ways that we give and take in relationships, the ways that we give and take in um, societal interactions, in um, uh, how we establish our position in communities, the give and take that we do within our household units, any of those types of things. And when we get to the, the prompt about choosing an aptitude, it's going to say give and or receive during transactions of any type, because this aptitude doesn't have to be universal. It can be more drawn to this is how I prefer to give, or this is how I prefer to receive, but it's the one that is practiced most often 
and the one that will bump up a rank because of that practice. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So um, it goes beyond uh, reciprocity goes beyond monetary exchanges to represent your character's preference when completing all forms of transactions. Um, while it can represent economic exchange, it equally represents status, social currency, ability to barter, crafting skills, and anything else they might use or do when giving or receiving. Furthermore, its prime aspect denotes your character's preferences for conducting transactions and gives insight, not necessarily definition, into what they might want in return for what they give. So, what uh, did anybody get a diamond this time around? Clubs. Clubs? No diamonds? Nope. Okay, so affinity <laughs> alignment has not struck yet. When it does, it's much easier to do it in the moment, and I can describe it than to describe it kind of in theory. So we're not going to worry about it. We're going to do it the exact same way we did before. Diamonds is your wild card. Um, it is the suit that you have available to you for anything you have not yet chosen. If you've chosen one from that list, we're not doubling up at this gotcha, point. Gotcha, So I can't just keep going Dynamo over and over again, huh? Mm. Correct, because <laughs> um, while it's not necessarily going to... It's going to pigeonhole your character in a way that of course. does not give you a robust, dynamic person to a play. A two-dimensional character? I don't know. Yeah, I've, that's not I've, the goal. I do that on this podcast, and I don't like it. Yeah, what, wife? You, He's not two-dimensional. At the, at the end, Ian, at the end of this, you, there is a player option. It is player option only. DM can't get in the way of it. For whether or not your character would specialize, and you can actually bump to a rank Ooh. four. So Ooh. we'll get to that at the end. At the end of these this spread so fun, fun, fun. while i've kind of stalled with some banter here yeah the classic dm toolkit <laughs> has anybody had one that's popped out to them and said oh this feels like how my character might give or receive oh um so apparently for mine was like the king of hearts so mm-hmm it just everything just says like confidence, which is weird because this person's like very contemplative and silent. So I feel like maybe because they're born under some certain star, people are like, "Oh, this person must mm. be important." And so mm -hmm. all he does is like think, and then because he's like solves some problems, people feel like some sort of um, calmness or like feeling secure when they're in the room. They don't have to be necessarily doing anything. They're just like yeah. Oh, they're here. Okay, cool. Like we feel a lot better about whatever we're doing at the moment. So I like it, um, and that that leans into that that beginning. Your commanding presence, either loud or subtle, yeah, provides access to greater opportunities. So it's it's less about being in charge and more about instilling confidence in others with your presence. I, I love that interpretation. Mm -hmm. um, and for the star thing between me and Chris, I think a cool thing would be. Because how Chris's character is developing is like uh, they were born uh, under this star that was like like intact and just good, and it was like far away and people can see it. And then mine was like born like during a super like that car that that star supernova at some point. And so like <laughs> mine's a little bit like my mind's a little bit more erratic in the sense of like thinking through all these things and not as calm. So it's like a little like mm. difference between the two things. 
Well, 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 for for some some lore, let's let's drop some lore on you, Michael. Um, we'll Ooh. say for this sort of uh, piece, the star that your character was born under is the brightest star in the constellation of the Eye of Fortune. Cool, Eye of Fortune. The Eye of Fortune is one of the twelve aspects of Aether that some cultures interpret interpret as gods. That's a lot of pressure. Sounds great. <laughs> Why do you keep playing these like playing was like like prophesied characters? I love it. Well, and that's that's one of the things that is built in for this game because if you think of like JRPGs, um, Final Fantasy, Sweet Coden is the, that series is actually one that's a major influence for me when it comes to developing this game. Every character has some sort of legacy they leave behind, though some of them are very small carrying on a family's name or preserving a tradition in a village somewhere or whatever the case may be, while others are huge, like saving the world or saving a nation or, you know, Final Fantasy, going to the moon to fight some sort of weird monster, yeah. um, whatever the case may <laughs> be, right? Um, but they all have this prophetic destiny. So, and my, so yeah. my character is like the Kakashi Sensei from Naruto, like, He's not necessarily doing something. It's just because he's in the room, people feel happy. So there, you go. <laughs> Love, there it. it is. Love it. Love it. Yeah, I got I got the King of Clubs. Uh, so the prophecy with that is your commanding presence, either loud or subtle, provides access to greater opportunities. Favorable offers are common in your life, but they carry increasing expectations for what you provide in exchange. Um, and so like thinking through that as well as as uh with like the health and the origin mm -hmm. uh, i actually chose now i'm no i could i could choose this i chose subtle mm. oh me too and the reasoning was um like so i so i talked about how like how my my character recharges is um is through like kind of connecting with with the land mm -hmm. and with the aether and part of that is through this desire to to give energy mm -hmm. um back into this is this because if I'm understanding the world right, this world is like healing, right? Mm -hmm. It's reopening. Yeah. Um, and so really that being a really important part for, for this character and, and being aware of that always and always um, not trying to bring attention, but trying to subtly push that out. But because of like I, the, um, the way that King was set up, the way I'm seeing that play out is even though the um, attempts are subtle, they're very impactful. And so there's like still a draw towards whoever this ca character is becoming. It's word of mouth rather than mm -hmm. acts of like, like visible acts done for others. Because I, yeah. I see from your description, I see this as like a, an advisor character, that person who kind of like is in the right place at the right time to help someone or something mm -hmm. progress forward. Yeah. Um, and that kind of, um, those opportunities would come from, oh, so-and-so had mentioned that you were around mm -hmm. kind of thing. Mm -hmm. That's that, that would be my interpretation. And, and as I don't know if you guys are putting the connection together, but I mean, the game does kind of start here because you are creating something, you are interacting with the cards. Um, but also I'm able to draw from and mm -hmm. make notes of mm -hmm. the decisions that your characters make, how they make decisions, what they prioritize, all of this in order to make the game that goes forward more character-centric 
in its plots rather than world centric. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I got to say here, Chris, like I don't think I've ever played a system before where like the emotional intelligence of this character is like way higher than probably any other characters and probably higher than me. So this is <laughs> <laughs> like, wow, this person is really well-rounded. Uh, and I, I like what you put together here. This is, this is very much the, and this fits with the world building that you've talked about of a world that's healing, that's being put back together. The heroes aren't going to be like, you know, shoot from the hip murder hobos. They're going to be folks that actually have a uh, vested interest in bringing about a resolution to a conflict through not always, you know, mm-hmm. murder. Fireball. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> and just as an aside, we'll, we'll get into this when we, when we actually uh, do a one shot, but you're going to see that how you, um, an encounter, how it is resolved mm-hmm. is the, the challenge that's in front of you. And then the scene itself has to be resolved. Gotcha. 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 And okay. if you don't resolve the challenge by the end of the scene, there's, you know, like the challenge kind of wins, so to speak. Say a building's on fire mm. and you're trying to stop it, but you get to the end of the scene before you stop the fire, the building's probably been consumed, right? That's usually how that works. So, <laughs> but once you finish the challenge, say you do murder hobo everybody that you ran into, the mm. rest of the scene is about how do you deal with the consequences of leaving a bunch of bodies? Because the scene hasn't finished yet. Mm-hmm. That's right. Mm-hmm. And so, again, the narrative moves it forward. So yeah. you can still play that way, but you're still going to have to role play out. How do you clean up after yourselves? Brutal. So I chose, uh, I drew an eight of clubs for mm-hmm. reciprocity, which uh, eight under reciprocity is you possess a deep understanding of fairness and value this value. Sorry. You possess a deep understanding of fairness and value that is ever present in matters of sharing, trading, or giving. You're capable of quickly assessing local customs in order to initiate fair transactions or reciprocate in kind. And so like, I'm, I'm hearing that and I'm like, okay, someone who not only understands value, but they also value fairness. Mm-hmm. I looked through what my options were for clubs and diamonds. I already chose uh, Dynamo for health. Uh, and actually, uh, like Steven, I chose Subtle. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the way that I interpreted this was that because they strive for fairness in all things and they intuitively understand what people value and why, they often understand that fewer words can bring about a more powerful resolution. I like and so, uh, Stephen, again, you and I were not making the exact same character, but like, there's a lot of similarities. Like, um, I, was, I was actually thinking of Uncle Iro from uh, <laughs> Airbender, yeah, mm-hmm. who was just mm-hmm. like, knows exactly what needs to be said and what and how it needs to happen, but also understands that if they say it, it might be meaningless. Mm. Mm. because just because this needs to happen doesn't mean that I need to build who needs to do it. Sometimes it has to happen, come from somebody else. Which puts you also in uh, a fun internal conflict between your dynamo. Yeah, because I want to see this resolution come about, mm-hmm. but I also know that I'm, I, I'm wise enough, my character's wise enough to understand they might not be the person to make it happen. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's, that's going to be fun to see unfold. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I think so, too. I have a question about mine because I'm not sure if it entirely yeah. makes sense, but I, so I drew the three of clubs mm-hmm. and I, lots of clubs. Yeah. Lots of clubs. Um, and I was thinking I would go with, um, so we have diamonds and then clubs as well to choose from, like if you drew clubs yes. essentially. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking potentially, uh, Aethril maybe because she kind of is like, 
so she she's like big on like fate mm-hmm. and like following like destiny you know mm-hmm. whatever comes her way is like it's a gift and you just kind of get a roll with it so she it. when she's with reciprocity she's like you know, it's not necessarily what I think, but, like, I get the feeling from fate or destiny that, like, this is the path that you should go through or, like, mm-hmm. you know, this is, like, an okay situation and, like, we got this because did, did it's happening with time. Of I did, I did. Okay, okay. Um, so I was going to say, yeah, that lines up well. That description yeah. fits well. Okay, good. Okay, so I'm not just crazy. Okay. No, no, no. That's That seems to work. Like, okay. You always find the upsides of situations mm-hmm. and opportunities, and you can totally interpret that through right. seeing the unseen aspects of things. Yeah. The the unspoken, the, un, the, the gut feeling of a situation rather than mm-hmm. um, statistical analysis or even social, uh, social emotional intelligence. It's, it's this um extra like sixth sense of of the circumstance and that's perfectly fine okay that's good then and we also bump that up to three yep. you bump okay. that up to three so you should okay. have two aptitudes at rank three at this point got it emily or chris sure uh i pulled the jack of spades uh you're full of energy that draws in others and uplifts their spirits the inspiration your presence provides you uh, with opportunities to receive or earn what you need. Um, and I picked inquisitive uh, with the mm-hmm. idea that my character kind of interacts with people uh, in a way that's very inquisitive and trying to like help understand uh, what they're going through, help them understand what they're going through and kind of like have that side of emotional intelligence. And then that kind of the way that they you know, re- receive what they need is that information or like mm-hmm. emotional balance they get from that interaction helps them as they kind of continue along their journey. Perfect. So kind of like that active listening skills. Yeah. That kind of thing. Love it. Yep. Chris, how are you feeling? Uh, a little better. Um, Good. <laughs> <laughs> I, it just takes me a long time to kind of formulate some of this stuff. But there's nothing wrong with that. Tell me if this is a little, a bit of a stretch, but I drew the seven of spades. Oh, another um, seven. Love yeah, it. my second seven, also my second spades. So I feel like something's lining up here. But mm-hmm. um, as chance would have it, you seemingly obtain whatever you need when you need it most, but only when you are fully in the present. When you focus too heavily on the wealth of the past or the future, you miss out on immediate gains. Doesn't that fit so well with it's your like, um, yeah, I was like, oh your health card? Oh my God. <laughs> um, That's so great. I, I, because we're either spades or diamonds still, mm-hmm. I actually yep. went with subtle. Um, I kind of had this, I kind of had this um, mental image pop up of like, mm-hmm. You know how when you're panning for gold and you just, it's a very calm, quiet movement and you wait and wait and wait and then Mm -hmm. what you need or what you're seeking just kind of is there after you've let all the silt and everything fall away. So I kind of thought that that might be how they interact with people is just very subtle interpersonal interactions, like letting the other person let me know what they need without me really asking or being overt about it and then... Once it's on the table, then I kind of like make my move is Mm -hmm. how I interpreted that. Oh, no, I love it. I love it because how your character chooses to exhibit 
is within their control. So um, that's the part of autonomy that we really want to stress with this. Instead of um, hard and fast set definitions with clear, like plus one here, plus two there, mm -hmm. this is all about, um, it's, you know, very much a, a um, interpretive, I, this is how it works for me. Mm -hmm. Um, and I have one question before we hit our break, which is, do you feel like this character is starting to take shape? Yes. Very much so. Yep. Good. Absolutely. And I believe this is break time. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks y'all for listening. Um, and you will get the rest of character creation, uh, next week. Thanks so much for being here, Chris. Uh, where can we, where can we find Omens Rising information? The best way to find more out, uh, find out more about Omens Rising right now is on Twitter at Omens Rising, um, and you can eventually. We're still developing what is going to be within our means to provide a quality experience. You'll eventually have an opportunity for a Patreon, which will help us continue to push toward our crowdfunding for the final product. Uh, it'll be a way to get sneak peeks, insight into like the uh, concept art of the cultures and things like that that you um, may not be that may never show up in the actual end product. Uh, but you can see our development process as well as you can find us on shows like this uh, for our alpha playtest. There's six in total. Um, we've had, this is number five in our list. Our fourth one is wrapping up this Wednesday, or not not this Wednesday. It'll be last Wednesday, August 4th on Craftic <laughs> Studios. Um, and uh, we were also on We Are Nerdsmith and Wandering DM and um, uh, The Hype Goblin. And then we will be on Lost Worlds Archive for our first mini campaign to kind of show you how it all comes together as our sixth and final alpha play test. Nice. So, nice. Very cool. Very cool. Hey, thanks so much for attending the Fae Forge Academy today. Uh, before you go, don't forget to check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash Academy, uh, And also stop by Greenleaf Geek which is at GreenleafGeek on Twitter and Instagram or GreenleafGeek.com. Get all your dice needs fulfilled. Um, uh, and don't forget that if you use the code FAYFORGE on checkout, you'll get 10% off your order. We are also proud members of the Fandamentals Podcast Network, so make sure you go to thefandamentals.com to catch up on all sorts of pop culture and nerd stuff. Uh, they have a lot of great articles, a lot of other great podcasts. Um, check them out. And with that, I am your Dungeon Master Steven. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at the underscore bad DM. My name is Ian Gould, and you can find me on Twitter at Ian G. Gould. Hey, I'm Chris. I like to hang out. You can do so alongside me on Twitter at Kiss of Hemlock. Uh, my name is Emily Harmon, and you can find me on Twitter at Emily J.E.A. Harmon. My name is Michael Sinclair II. You can find me at Michael Critz on Twitter and on Twitter. Hey, I'm Kai. You can find me at Twitter at Sonefly underscore Kai. My name is Adelaide Garner. You can find me at OAdelaide on Twitter and Action underscore Fiction on Twitch. Theme music by Dave Cole of the Four Orbs podcast. For more music, check out D. Cole Music on YouTube. Additional sound effects and music found at zapsplat.com, tabletopaudio.com, and epidemicsound.com. The Faithforge Academy is a proud member of the Fundamentals Podcast Network.